Don't stop dancing on my account. <laughs> Welcome to the Quintessentials Podcast with your hosts, Danielle. I swear to God, I about had a mental breakdown. Danielle, compose yourself. And Laura. Babies, the internet delivers not when you want it to, but when you need it to. I've entered my blonde man era. I can't handle this. I am not okay, guys. <laughs> Everybody stay calm. The Quintessentials Podcast. Danielle's over there vibing, dude. She's so happy. Her Chiefs won on Sunday. Usher Usher performed my boo on the halftime show, which I thought was great. Did you see the girl fall off of the pole when Luda made his appearance on the Super Bowl? She fell into the crowd and has a black eye. Yes, I sure did. Here's my question, though. She said she was a girl on the rollerblades, roller skates that fell, but she fell off a pole. If you look close enough, the dancers, entertainers had rollerblades on, I'm pretty sure. Okay, 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 okay. They were part of the people that were dancing. Yeah, okay. But girl, she fell so hard. <sighs> and they just were like, the show must go on. She ate shit, dude. It was so, it was, I hate to say that it was funny, but it was, it was really fucking funny. But I'm glad she's okay, though. Um, hi, welcome to another episode of the Quintessentials Hello. Podcast. Um, we missed you. Um, how did you feel about that little bonus episode we dropped last week? <gasps> What did you guys think of Marky Mark? <laughs> we loved him. After it aired, he sent us a group message and he was like, the episode was so good. You guys sound great. Now I'm going to re-listen to it and like make sure that I don't need to critique myself. And in my mind, I'm like, well, even if you do critique yourself, it's been published. It's already up. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Blessings. Um, but he, he's messaged me a few times and he's like, how's everybody liking the episode? Do they like me? <laughs> did you say no, everybody hates you? Yeah, of course I did. Absolutely. As you should. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk about. Um, first and foremost, we are recording this on Valentine's day. Um, so happy Valentine's Day to you, my love. You're the greatest person in the world. I have a present for you. You have a present for me? Mm-hmm. A Valentine's Day present? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> of course. Will you be my Valentine? You know what? Yes, I want nothing more than to be your Valentine. Thanks. Oh my god. You little angel. <laughs> So, okay, so I started my day. I woke I took the first half of the morning off of work. I was like, "You know what? It's just me. I'm going to spoil myself." I went and I got a massage this morning. Hell yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. If you oh, the girl that does them on oh, she's so good. Her name is Ashley. I absolutely I can't live without her. I can't. I love that. She's so fucking good. She just gets it and she, yeah. I, so I, I finally was like, you know what? I'm just going to give myself a massage. I'm going to pay the extra for the extra 30 minutes. So I went this morning. I had a great start to my day. I get in my car. I get my coffee. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing I see? As soon as I take my first sip of coffee. A text message. <laughs> Nope, nope, not a text message from him. Um, no, but I did. I actually did. No, I actually got a text from him, believe it or not, before I left Massage Envy at 11 o'clock. 
Wow. Definitely surprising with his track record. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But I was like, so it sucks. It sucks how excited I got about it or not. I don't fucking care at this point. But yeah, the what I was going to say is we had a few announcements today. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start. Mostly because, okay, all right, should I just, like, say it? Yeah. It has been confirmed officially, directly off of the Joseph Quinn, like, official Instagram account and the MCU account that Joseph Quinn is officially been cast as Johnny Storm, a.k.a. the Human Torch, in the upcoming Fantastic War film. And the crowd goes wild. This has been something that we've been waiting for for so long. I mean, this these rumors have been like going around since like September. Yeah, I, I remember recording a video when the first fan art dropped of like, he is rumored to play the Human Torch. And I made a video and I was standing by my patio door and there was still green on the trees. Yeah. Yeah. Like a whole last season has passed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, and it was, I mean, almost two, because like if there was still green, that means it wasn't even fall in Kansas City. Yeah. So this has been circling around <laughs> the, the drain for a while. Well, and so it's really amazing because, I mean, everybody's like, oh, this is old news. I'm like, yeah, but no, it's not. It's been rumored. And right. it's finally happening. And it's not just the fact that it, it was announced. It was how they announced it danielle marvel doesn't do anything just because marvel doesn't do anything that's like a happy coincidence you know and so i want to touch a little bit on some of the things that we've kind of picked up on throughout the day before we get into that as if it wasn't enough that joe <laughs> as if it Jesus wasn't Christ. enough that it was that it was announced that joe is officially going to be Donnie Storm. Another announcement within the same hour and a half was released. It was released that Joe got cast in yet another fucking movie. And uh, it's not just another movie. Joe is going to have his official American Psycho moment because the author of the book that the movie American Psycho is based on is making his directorial debut and he casts Joe as the main character. And it is very much, it's got monsters. It's got like, you know, like a, a paranoia. He's like supposed to, oh my God. So we'll get into all of that. Um, but then after we cover all of that, we're going to talk about another person that we've been dying to talk about for entirely way too long. And it's also one of Joe's co-stars. You could say that this this episode is inspired and sponsored by Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna do, we're gonna talk about Paul Mescal and his his work, his energy. You actually watched some of his did work? I, yeah, I did. If you can believe Welcome. it, yeah. Welcome to the party. Oh my god, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Now, here's the thing. Fantastic Four, one of the things that I picked up on, actually, I can't fully take credit for it because I was having a conversation with a friend and it just kind of spiraled and just continued to develop. I will be 100% honest. Do you feel like 
Marvel kind of had you for a while there? Or did, do you feel like they lost you for a bit? Do you still feel like they don't have you? <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of really good like Marvel movies that have come out recently. And they've all kind of transitioned into TV shows, which also not a fan. Yeah, I, I feel like it's become a little stale. It's kind of mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, like over and over and over again. Like I saw Quirky Kirsten make a video about the commercial for Deadpool. And I think she said it best. She was like, nothing will ever compare to the feeling I got from those first few Avengers. Nothing will compare to that. And so I I couldn't agree more. But then I get to see this, you know announcement and you start to kind of dive into it and you kind of start to unpack it and there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack just in that little picture that they put in that they used to announce the the cast um it was really cute it was like a little poster that said happy valentine's day and pedro posted it and vanessa posted it and joe posted it and evan posted it and it was all like uh joe's caption was like fantastic and um pedro's was like from our family to yours Stop. I didn't know. I didn't read the captions. But one of the things that is interesting is that the style of the art for the announcement is that it's very like, um, like 1960s style art. Have you seen Mad Men? Mm-hmm. Yes, you I You know have. how like the ads were mm-hmm. like drawn back then? Yep. Kind of like that, right? And it makes you kind of think a couple of things it kind of triggered a few memories for some of my friends and we were talking about it and he said you know this really reminds me of when dr strange during the multiverse of madness when john krasinski made an appearance um as mr fantastic dr strange says to him the fantastic four huh didn't you guys chart in the 60s <laughs> which is fascinating because it really kind of pieces everything together in a really I keep wanting to say in a really elegant way because first of all Dr. Strange always was doing like music trivia to his staff at the hospital right and then once you add in the fact that he brought up the charting in the 60s it's interesting because it Marvel is now able to tie in why we haven't really seen or heard about the Fantastic Four in the present day in this reality that we have become so accustomed to in the last 15 years of the Marvel universe, right? Mm -hmm. Can I ask a clarifying question? Absolutely, please do. So with it kind of giving that nod to the 60s and the way that they're dressed and, and the decor and the poster... Do you think that this version of Fantastic Four is going to take place in modern time? Or do you think it'll be based in the 60s? That's a really good question. It's a really good question. And I think that the theory right now is that it could potentially start in the 60s. Right. And then because time and space is no longer relevant in the MCU, the theory is, is that they might either bring them to the future or it'll take place then and set it up for something that may potentially happen in the future or in an alternate dimension or in an alternate timeline. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now that is one of my favorite aspects of Marvel movies. The fact that they incorporated like the different multiverses and the timelines it really just like 
upped it so much oh for me. Oh my God. And so it's so, it's really interesting because I think l- the story of Loki has done what the story of Deadpool has also done. There is a scene in the trailer that just came out, which by the way, that trailer looked phenomenal, right? And it's been so cool. So if you watch the first previous Deadpool movies, you're always seeing him break that fourth wall. And he's Mm -hmm. always talking about like Disney um, being kind of like jerks and not wanting to blend, you know, blend him in with the MCU and the Avengers and stuff like that. And you can kind of see that Ryan Reynolds Deadpool is sort of been has been trying to sort of bridge that gap. And so we the fact that we are slowly able to do that. And the thing is, in the MCU, you haven't really been able to call mutants mutants. Right. You know what I mean? Like Wanda Maximoff and her brother. Oh my God, I keep forgetting his name. They were mutants, but you couldn't call them that. And so it's been really, it's really cool that you are incorporating the X-Men with Deadpool. And then you sort of see at the end of the trailer, he's laying on the ground and he's asking Wolverine to help him get up. But to the side of him is a comic book. And it is the Secret Wars comic book. And it features Doctor Doom. And Doctor Doom is big bad in um, the Fantastic Four. And it is rumored that Doctor Doom is set to replace um, Kang the Conqueror um, as the new big bad in this whole upcoming phase of the MCU with everything that happened with Jonathan Majors, you know, and his conviction and stuff like that. To add on top of that, speaking of Secret Wars, at the last San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel released that one of the upcoming... It's either the first three or the first four Marvel movies that's coming out in this next wave is going to be Avengers The Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's happening. We know that this is all sort of like leading up to it. And to be honest, if it is done correctly and it is done, you know, and it is as successful, we will see Joe play Johnny Storm more than once. (laughs) I really hope that that happens because... Fantastic Four is one of those movies that has been tried to be redone a few times. It's been through the ringer, you know? And it just kind of misses the mark every single time. Like, they're decent movies. They're okay with good actors in them, but they just don't get enough... What is the word I'm looking for? They don't get enough... um... Je ne sais quoi. Sure. They don't get enough je ne sais quoi to get like a second or a third movie. Like it's always just the one. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like it has a Fantastic Four, in my personal opinion, is a classic group of superheroes. It was like the original superhero, like one of the original superhero families. Right. Right. Yeah. And. So when you try and bring that in to something that's like new and fresh and relevant and current and something that takes place in present times, that sort of classic magical superhero aspect gets lost in translation, which is why I think it's so special that they might, this might be set in the 60s. I hope so. And so it's funny because the the thing is reading a magazine in the photo that was released and that particular edition of that magazine was released in 1963 and so i think that is also a little bit of an indicator of 
when this could potentially take place. So anyways, there are so many things that we, I'm sure, are going to be able to unpack. Another thing I wanted to bring up is my theories as to why we're not going to see Joe at any more of the fan expos that are going to take place in the summer because they are going to start filming in the summer. Yeah, I remember mentioning, I think it might have been episode one of this season that I don't think that he's going to show up any more conventions. Like, I'll always hold on to hope. Yeah. It's always going to be there. <laughs> me too. In the back of my mind, I'm like, he's coming. He's going to be there. <laughs> but um, I had said in that episode that yeah. he, it's been released that he has, like, movies that have yet to be released that yeah. he's been confirmed in. And yeah. I think we, ju- we just got two of them today. Well, and it's it's funny because I wasn't even thinking about this, but we wanted to see him in Denver. Denver takes place the weekend after 4th of July, but A Quiet Place releases on the 28th of June. So, you know, there might be a I little, guess I can let him do some press tours. Jeez. A little bit of work that comes along with that too, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, God, like, there's so... I, I, I don't even know what... <laughs> I'm so excited for this. I mean, we just spent the last 10 minutes talking about this. We have, we still have to talk about relapse. And I want to know more about this because I've really only seen the screenshot. And I, oh. and I saw one of the lines from the synopsis about how he wanted to make sure he got the right character for the movie because he needed like a young, handsome, wasn't it a millionaire or something like that? And yeah, and I'm like, of course, it's Joe Quinn, like everybody's favorite boy. First of all, um, this man, I I will say this. um, The director's name is Brett Easton Ellis. He is also an author and a screenwriter. Um, Doesn't have the greatest reputation as a person, is an extremely accomplished writer and author with lots of accolades. Um, Wrote American Psycho, the movie that is that has Christian Bale in it, which is a classic, honestly. Um, And so I think that, I mean, he's written a lot of movies. Uh, uh, The majority of his books have been adapted into movies. I can honestly tell you that there have been only a couple that have stood out to me personally. I think that what really gets me excited about seeing Joe cast as this person, which his character, I'll tell you his character's name here. Uh, isn't it like, isn't it Mark? I think it's Matt. Matt. Hold please. Matt Cullen is the name of, so the name of the uh, protagonist is Matt Cullen. I think this is going to be phenomenal because Joe has proved with his small filmography, really, how wide his range is in terms of acting. Right. And so this is going to be a horror movie, which is incredible. Um, so let me read you what the British GQ article says. But it says, Joseph Quinn will arrive at his American psycho moment in Brett Easton Ellis's Relapse. The subversive American author's directorial debut is a paranoid horror flick set in L.A. So uh, what is Relapse about? Um, If you 
were to take an educated guess at what Ellis's first ever feature film might look like, probably come close to relapse. The film sounds exactly like one of his novels. Firstly, it is set in Los Angeles. Secondly, it's a horror flick. And thirdly, it's about a young, handsome, rich kid called Matt Cullen, who, according to Variety, checks into rehab after witnessing a horrific death during a drugged up party. Mm. Three months later, he is set to get his life back together, staying at his parents' mansion in the hills of Los Angeles. Upon returning home, things take a strange turn for Cullen, as per the synopsis. Fueled by his unstable personality and the invading power of social media, Matt's paranoia grows, messing his... It's okay, girl. (laughs) I feel you. You've been there, right? (laughs) We've all been there. Uh, Okay. Um, fueled by his unstable personality and the invading power of social media, Matt's paranoia grows, messing up with his rehabilitation program. As he starts using again, a mysterious presence starts growing around Matt, and a monster that has been haunting him since he was a teenager Ooh. reveals itself. His therapist tries to help convince that the monster is actually just in Matt's head. So basically, it's a monster movie following in the footsteps of a classic paranoid horror movies like The Thing in, from 1982 and Alien from 1979. And yes, the monster will be a real thing that you can see with your eyes. According to Nicholas Rowland, who is producing the film at SND, the monster will be designed by the Oscar-nominated VFX team behind the Society of the Snow, who have three decades of experience giving life to fantastic creatures, elevating the director's visions and uh, provoking audiences' worst nightmare. This is going to be such a good movie. So I've heard rumors that this uh, monster is going to have the sort of vibe that you get from like Pan's Labyrinth. And I mean, some just creepy like Guillermo del Toro type research, like like um, creature. Um, and so I cannot wait to see Joe just go wild with this role um i think that this is again going to further prove that he has an insane range um yes i do agree that a quiet place is technically horror but more than horror it is it is more so suspenseful a quiet place is more so suspenseful and yeah there are like crazy creatures and stuff like that and he's running around and so it's a different type of horror but this like psychological thriller psychological horror that we're gonna get um is something that we as fans have really been hoping to see in the last couple of years that we've gotten to know joe yeah so i just can't fucking wait and the fact that this is being directed by the same person um who did american who wrote american psycho and so many other amazing uh, horror stories. It's going to be so good. Even if the movie sucks, I, you just know that Joe's performance is going to be insane. So what more could you possibly ask for? Nothing. 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 I'm just really excited to, because we've been fan casting him in a horror. Yeah. Since he entered our, enter, entered our lives. Yeah. And it's not fully the type of horror that I wanted like I want Joe in like a slasher film you know like scream-esque I think that would be so cute and so fun um <laughs> <I love that. laughs> 
but we're we're definitely getting closer to what we've been kind of like yeah. itching to get right um i also really look forward to watching him play more into a role that addresses mental health and paranoia substance abuse um because that's so prevalent in Mm -hmm. our day-to-day lives Mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this Mm -hmm. um and i think there's going to be a big metaphor on like your inner demons and um yeah i agree yeah i'm super excited yay what more do we need to say? I mean, I- I'm ready for another announcement. Okay, here's a theory. What do you think the next Joe movie is going to be? That it, What do you think? What what? Tell me what next movie you think is going to be announced for him. Let's think about this for a second. Because he's so good at really any role that's been placed in front of him, right? Yeah. We've seen a, yeah. a couple different facets of his acting career. And everyone that gets announced is just a little bit deeper into what I think he's pushed towards, right? Yeah. I don't know what his next movie is going to be, but I'll tell you what I want it to be. Exactly. That's what I want to know. Perfect. A rom-com? Yes. (laughs) Put that man in a movie where he swoons over a woman or a man. I don't care. I mean, we're in the age of beautiful men loving each other in movies, and I'm here for it 100%. A thousand percent. Wow. I love it. Either way, let him fall in love with somebody and go on dates and just be a normal person where he's not running from monsters and cute little meetings in the park with picnics. (laughs) Picnics. Let him have a happy ending where he's in love and he's loved. That's what I want. You know what? You know what? Um, I was. It's so funny you brought up like men loving each other, and I cannot wait to see back to back press junkets between Pedro and Joe. Baby, hello! I can't wait. Also, Evan is such a fucking hoot. Like they're oh they're gonna have the best time on. I set. can't wait. They're going to have so much fun on set. I'm I'm going. <laughs> what do you want to see him in next real quick before we move on to the next subject? Oh, no. Your giggle made me I was nervous. say a musical. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to see him in. A, I, I mean, I could see him. I, I'd be fine seeing him in a musical, but no, I don't think I want to see him in a musical. Imagine Joe in a musical like Into the Woods. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no. I can see I it. Can. I can see Do it. Do I want it to happen? Probably not. I would like to see him. Okay. Um, I'm going to say two. I would like to see him cast in one of the seasons of Bridgerton. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. Throwing up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I would love to see him cast in one of the seasons of Bridgerton. And um, secondly, I want to see him cast in this type of movie that is like people falling in love with life. And I'll explain to you exactly what I mean. Like people like a type of movie where it's like he's trying to find himself kind of like an E pray love style yeah. movie, kind of like, um, uh, oh, my God, that movie with Hillary Swank. 
where she runs away to Ireland after her husband P.S. I love you. P.S. I love you. Um, uh, Just like movies that are really just like all about him kind of finding himself and falling in love with life and developing like something with just like an insane character development. I want to see him start at a certain place and completely end in a really different place, but like with a happy fucking ending. Cause I am tired of seeing this boy 86 himself. You know what I mean? Um, another good example of that is the pursuit of happiness with Will Smith. <gasps> what a great example. Something like that. Um, and then, and then he gets nominated. <laughs> I mean, it's inevitable. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Oh, my God. Phenomenal. And then Florence Pugh gets cast in that movie is my... my. <sighs> One of these episodes, you guys, we're just going to, like, write our own movie. And we're going to yeah. pick the people that we want to play for yeah. each part. And then Laura <laughs> and I are going to act out the movie playing different parts. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a movie that's going to be um, where Joe plays every single character, kind of like Eddie Murphy style. <laughs> <laughs> instead, of, instead of the nutty professor, yes. it's going to be like the kooky teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sign me up. It's the same fucking thing. Oh, that was so fun. Um, that was very nostalgic for me to like go back yeah. to fan casting Joe. Yeah. Wow. Oh. What a fun time so far. I know. Let's gloss real quick over. Speaking of Bridgerton. I was going to say. I was going to say. we. It's so fucking funny because we have to talk about Paul Meskel still. And we have not touched it ain't no thing. anything. Colin and Penelope will always have time to be talked about oh. on this podcast. Okay, can I say something? Because I'm going to let you take the lead on this subject, but I will tell you, I've not been on the Luke Newton bandwagon. The Duke Newton. The Duke Newton. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I watched a video of them talking today, and the way he was like standing over her, and she just looked up at him, and then he like stopped and looked down at her. That's going to be the whole season, Laura, and I cannot wait. Uh, please take it away. So take it away. Where do I even start for real? I don't fucking no. Uh, when we were in Orlando, we got our first little sneak peek. It was your eyes are so beautiful, but they're even more blue when you're kind. And I'm like, bitch, stop. Because keep in mind, I just got done reading their book in January. <laughs> oh, so you read the pollen book. I did. Remember cuz I told you that I envisioned it in like modern day? Yes, I haven't read it. Should I read it? You should read it. Yes, you should. Okay. All right. I will download it to my Kindle tonight. <laughs> it's an easy read too. Like it's relatively short compared to the fantasy novels that we read. So you'll fly got through it. it. Got it's it. like got the 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 novella in Akatar. Oh, yeah. that's nice and short. I love that. Okay. But they've released a date that it's going to come out. The first part mm-hmm. comes out in May. And so we're starting to see like press junkets, little moments of them <sighs> together in the real world. I just hate how far away it is still. I hate it. Because they're doing all of this and it feels like the closer we get, the further it is because they give us more and more. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Nicola, who plays Penelope... Mm-hmm. She had mentioned that Bridgerton has been done filming for a while, but then yeah. 
the um, strike. Thank you. But then the strike pushed it out even further. Yeah. And then Netflix, you know, we talked about this during the strike episode, how they really had to like put in order, like how they were going to release, when they were going to release, how much are they going to release? Yeah. Yeah. And she said that Bridgerton is such an anticipated TV show that they decided Mm -hmm. to break it up into two to really capitalize on its popularity, like what they did with Stranger Things. Because it worked. And they wanted to build the anticipation even more. So that's why they even pushed it out a little bit further because we were supposed to get it in March. Fuckers. I know. But we're going to have to survive on just the tiny little clips that we're getting. You know, Stranger Things was... The most streamed TV show that season, because of the fact that they broke it up, people went and watched the first six, was it eight episodes last season? They watched the first installation of episodes that came out when it came out. And then they went back and rewatched it before that, after, before the second part came out. And then if they didn't rewatch it, they finished the two episodes and then they went back and watched it. I mean, it was just like, it's genius marketing and torturous at the same fucking time. I see Netflix (laughs) continuing to do that with highly anticipated TV shows. Yeah. They can go fuck themselves. Like I can tell you right now, I'm not a fortune teller, but Netflix will break up season five of stranger things into two sets. Guaranteed. No questions asked. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No questions. Absolutely. It's going to be four and four. Um, But this little sneak peek got me real jazzed, real excited, because again, I've read the book and when you go into reading the book, Laura, just remember that the book is different than the show. The show took the inspiration from the book, but some of the things won't match up um, as far as the storyline. Okay. But the fact that I got to hear two things in that tiny little 40 second clip, the first one was good night, Mr. Bridgerton by her looking up at him, walking away and him stopping her. I can't. And then the second thing that I heard that really got me going (laughs) was the, do you want me to say it? Because I will. And Colin goes, I missed you crying on the floor puddles. Okay. Can I tell you that to me, the, most powerful thing the the most powerful thing for me in that is her immediate scoff where she's like oh you miss me you miss me but you won't court me the way she flipped the fucking narrative on him right then and there it set the tone for what to expect for the entire show The comments on that video alone gave me so much life. One of them was like, yes, Penelope, drag him, make him humble, (laughs) make him beg for your love, (laughs) which is exactly what she does in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's fucking wild. You know, this kid is the third boy in line with the ego of a firstborn up until, you know, recently. And he was also the third best looking one in (laughs) you know what i mean like like you're go fuck yourself you know what i mean like it no i i am speaking i'm saying these things and i am a hypocrite because right now my life is in fucking shambles over a man (laughs) and (laughs) 
I'm going to tell you right now, the strength that Penelope Featherington has in this 42nd episode is not one that I have right now. Okay. I, I'm not my best self. I want you to reevaluate yourself <laughs> after you read the book and just take a few notes from Penelope because I, yeah, I always say this. I learn things every time I read a book, regardless of what kind of book it is. I always kind of try to apply something to myself yeah. and she's a boss ass bitch. Like she's madly infatuated with Collins since a very young age and to see how her mindset changed whenever he said, I would never court Penelope Featherington and became the laughing stock of the ton, you know, um, she still loved him deeply, but she was like, I don't need this man and I'm not going to need yeah. this man until this man proves to me that he's worthy of my, of me. And I'm like, I think every woman after that has been trying to find love and has and you and I can relate to this for women like you and I who have struggled to find love we reach a point where we think to ourselves you know what this is what my life is I'm happy with it you know if if it's not meant to happen for me I will make the best of my life as it is because finding love and you know having children is not the end all be all. And so you see at the end of season two, Penelope just kind of starting to accept her life. And, you know, she has, she is lady, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, she's lady whistle down. She's created this entire empire for herself. She knows that she's going to be just fine on her own. So the thing is she no longer needs a man, you know, she's kind of at the point where, yeah, you know, reputation is still a big deal because it's just like the circumstances of the times that she lives in, but she's enough for herself at this point. So she has, you know how many fucks she has left to give? None. None, bitch. Not a single fucking one. One of my favorite things, I just have to say, so Penelope and Eloise remind me of you and me very much because they're in like their third year of being on the court for marriage and they are now considered by society spinsters which are the older women that aren't going to get married and they're going to die alone and she refers to herself and eloise refers to herself as spinsters and there's a lot of similarities between what laura and i struggle with on a day-to-day and what they struggle with the difference with eloise though is like she could care less like she's like i want to be single i don't want a husband yeah Yeah. and then penelope low-key is still on that train of like i see you and i hear you but like having amanda cuddle at night would be great you know and if it was colin it would be even better (laughs) this i think i would love to see joe be cast as like eloise's significant other that's (laughs) that's what everybody's fan casting him as because she has her own book and there's a love interest that has made appearances in some of the other books. And he would be perfect. perfect. Please. Shonda, Shonda, if you happen to find this episode, <laughs> give CAA a call. Last thing I'm going to say about Bridgerton is uh, I just wanted to give you a heads up that there's a mirror scene. I heard about the mirror scene. <laughs> And there is, I've had my, I'm going to tell you right now, I've had my own mirror scene in my own personal life. That's why I wanted to make sure to tell you. (laughs) 
Um, the reason I brought that up, though, is because they're starting to do, like, press for the, the season, right? And in a press junket that Nicola did a few months back, they gave her three words, and she had to say the first word that she associated with the word <laughs> she was given. And the three words were mirror, carriage, and eclair. Okay? Yeah. All three of those objects have significant meaning in their book. Yeah. So now this reporter has an opportunity to ask Colin these questions. <laughs> And this man, she goes, I want you to tell me the first word that comes to mind when I say these three words. And he was like, okay. And she goes, mirror. The nervous giggle this man let out, he goes, oh. (laughs) And then he goes, exposed. (laughs) You'll understand when you read it because as a plus size girly, this storyline, this arc Mm -hmm. is my dream. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm debating on whether or not I should just put this out there. Okay. It's my own personal mirror experience. Not in full detail, okay? Because this is a publication. Yeah. Tell your own story. I know. I mean, I can edit it to a certain degree. You know, it's okay. Leave them wondering because you did say you had your own mirror moment. So let them use their imagination. Where are we at? Paul Meskel. Oh my God. Can we get into it, please? We are an hour in. It's going to be fine. You guys are ready for a longer episode? This is going to be a long ass episode. Um... I have so much to say about Paul. Um, And I didn't think that the first thing I was going to say about Paul was going to be this. But I watched the chicken shop date that he did with Amelia Dims. And he is this. There are certain like bits. Somebody made an edit of this on TikTok. And it was just like clips of him like looking at her, laughing, smiling. And I'm just like, please. Sign me up. Fucking do this. He's such a delight. I yes. got sucked into the Andrew Scott and Paul Meskel videos, and they're like Please. pure serotonin. Um, yeah, having a bad day. Yeah. Just Google one of their their little interviews. Their chemistry so good off screen is so great. But that's the thing is I I'm convinced that if you have that much intimacy on screen with somebody one of two things is going to happen you're either going to be very very close or you realize that you fucking detest each other like dakota johnson and jamie dornan they did not like each other apparently they did not get along at all wow i had no idea yeah yeah so but this to me just sounds like like we're watching this like and pollen is another example of that is you know He's so good. Their chemistry is so good and their intimacy as friends and partners in crime and in a scene is, is so, so good that mm-hmm. like it just it's just serotonin. His chemistry with Daisy is really good, too. Have you ever watched any of their interviews as well? I'm convinced that they're in love. Daisy. Edgar Jones. No, and I haven't seen Normal People. I wa- I probably will watch it um, next because mm-hmm. I I have added it to my list of things I'm going to watch. I am going to rewatch season two of Bridgerton right now. 
Well, let me just do a quick little recap of Normal People. It has been, it's been a while since I've watched it. So audience, just please bear with me. I'm kind of going at this from memory. Um, But it starts off with Paul's character and Daisy's character. They go to the same high school. Um, Paul is the more popular guy and with the girls, plays sports. And Daisy is the introverted, super smart, awkward person, right? Um, Paul develops a, I would say, crush or fascination with Daisy's character um, because his mom actually cleans her mom's house. And so they've known each other for a very long time. Um, and he pops in to pick his mom up from, from work, from their house, most days after school. So he sees Daisy's character, which for the life of me, I cannot remember. But one day he comes over after like a test or something, didn't have a good day. And she's talking to him and then he just kisses her. Woof. And she's like completely caught off guard. Hasn't really ever looked at him that way. But now that they've kissed, he's all that she can see. She notices him more. She's looking more into the type of person that he is. Like I said, he's always been kind of a presence in her life, but not an apparent presence, you know? And so their relationship starts to develop and he pulls the, well, I don't want anybody at school to know about this. Can't this just be our secret? Ew. Yeah. Go fuck Mm -hmm. yourself. He lost me. Because he's the popular one, right? He's the popular one. She's odd. She's not, like, super well-liked. People make fun of her. He doesn't. And he recognizes that he's catching feelings for yeah. her, you know, because he's seeing a version of her that she doesn't show at school. At some point, though, they have to go their separate ways. Uh, she goes off to college. He tries college, but it doesn't work out. And so then he moves back. But then he ends up going to a party that Daisy's character is at. And it's probably two, three years later. She's grown up. She's gotten pretty. And uh, he's like, you look different. And she's like, yeah, I left and I got pretty. Amazing. I love her. And he goes, well, you've always been pretty. Uh, And I was like, bitch, get the fuck out. Bye. Go fuck yourself. Please tell me she put him in his place. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Go watch the show and find out. He doesn't do a lot of speaking in his movies. And I've come to find out that Daisy is the same way. She doesn't speak a lot. But like when they do speak, it's very prevalent. Yeah. Um, But it's a very good show. I probably have done a terrible job kind of giving you a synopsis of it. But no, you need to watch it. I I'm going to watch it. Um, There's not a lot that he's done. Mm-hmm. His filmography isn't very vast. And it's so funny because, like, there are <laughs> – there have been times where, like – and he he always comments on that, too. He always makes, like yeah. – he always makes, like, a nod to that, to the fact that he's like, my filmography, I've done a lot. <laughs> he had an interview with Andrew, and Andrew's like, what's your favorite piece of work that you've done? And he was like, to be honest, I don't have a lot to choose from, so. <laughs> but it's crazy because he hasn't done a lot. But he's an Academy Award nominated actor. Mm -hmm. In the few films that he's done, he's received a nomination. And like, you know, this is a a big fucking deal. Yeah. um, He was nominated for After Sun 
which I, I got to watch that a couple nights ago. I mean, it's such an interesting movie. It's If you watch it just to have something on in the background, you're going to think to yourself, this is a very boring movie. But if you go into it considering what it's trying to tap into, into its viewer, into the audience, the feelings it's trying to elicit, right? You kind of start to think to yourself, oh yeah, this is, it gives you this sense of nostalgia that you didn't really know you could feel from a movie. And so it's, it's about 11 year old girl who takes a vacation with her dad um, prior to, and I guess they're separated. So she takes a vacation with her dad prior to school starting. And you are watching this as if it were an adult rewatching these videos, these camcorder videos. So it kind of teeters between like the videos that were recorded on the camcorder to kind of collect the memory and what actually could have potentially happened or what may or may not have happened. And so you go through the whole movie watching this and it's just, it seems like a really mundane kind of conversation. But then you have these moments of like, you know, where, where you kind of think to yourself, oh, we don't really know who the dad is outside of this relationship with his daughter. And he plays the dad. Paul Meskel plays the daughter, the daughter's dad. And he's very oh, okay. young at the time. Um, so he's, he's plays a young dad. He's 30, 31 years old. The daughter is 11. So you immediately find out that he had her when he was either 19 or 20. Okay. Um, and so he's this very idealistic father with, you know, he does Tai Chi and he's trying to teach his daughter how to defend himself. And she's like, I just want to be a kid. Like, I don't want to do all of this. And, you know, she has her first kiss with a kid over there at the resort where they're staying. And then you, you watch like all these things that dad, you know, ends up passing out drunk in the suite where they're staying. And like, they have these really profound conversations throughout the entire movie. And it, you were watching it and you're like, did, did she really just say that to her dad? Or is this something that she wishes she would have said to her dad? You know? Hmm. Yeah. And then you realize, and then it cuts to a scene of a 31 year old woman who wakes up and immediately you can tell that it's just adult Sophie, which is the name of the daughter. And she's got a baby. She's got a family of her own. And you get the sense that she's either estranged from her father or that her father is dead. And you kind of continue watching the movie. The father has like a breakdown crying throughout because he, you can tell that maybe he, he doesn't have the life that he wishes he could have had or the life that he wishes he could have given his daughter. But they have this really special bond throughout this vacation. It's almost like that last good memory that she had with her father before it went to shit. Yeah. You know? Mm, woof. Yeah. And uh, she's at the end of the movie, she's watching these videos um, and the last scene is when he takes her to the airport. And so it pans over to the father filming with his camcorder. 
it's almost like he's looking in a mirror, but it really just looks like Paul Meskel is recording you, the audience, as Sophie, right? It's almost like you're Sophie watching him record you, close the camcorder, put the camcorder in his backpack, turn around, and goes back into like almost like what could be potentially like a, a memory bank room, you know? Wow. And... And it's so funny because I watched it and I just watched it, but I, it really left me thinking and analyzing Mm -hmm. the movie. And it, it was, it's, it's a really special movie that you end up thinking about for way longer than you think you, that you're going to think about. Like you anticipated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of, I mean, it's, it's just not a lot of dialogue. There is some dialogue in there. I mean, it's nothing like no major plot twists or anything. Um, but it's just the kind of movie that just kind of leaves you feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. And it's, it's a great film. He, his performance was phenomenal. It really was. I'm going to have to watch that because I planned on watching that. Yeah, it's on Prime. Um, um, You have another movie to talk about, but the way that you explained After Sun really resonated with me because the way that it made you think and the way that it made you feel Mm -hmm. after you watched it Mm -hmm. was the same reaction that I had after I watched All of Us Strangers. Okay, please. This is the movie with Andrew Scott. Yes. So you will kind of see me, Laura, looking at my phone because this movie sucked me in from the beginning and I literally wanted to document it because it is so good. Okay. Tell me. I jumped into it because you've only ever seen the... This is how they suck you in, right? You only see the previews that have the cutesy little, you know, men kissing and being cute and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be such a fun movie. Right. (laughs) completely different than what i was expecting first and foremost (laughs) (laughs) okay um so andrew scott who plays the character of adam um really isn't doing well at the beginning of the movie um he's sitting over a table with what i assume are some sort of drugs um i personally think he's trying to himself but he gets a knock at the door and opens it up and it is Paul Maskell's character and his name is Harry. Harry is so drunk, like whiskey bottle in his hand, leaning on the door frame. Like, do you oh. want to let me in? Like trying to come in and like seduce him. And then he says a line, there's a vampire at my door. And I'm like, hello. Oh my God. Spicy. First 10 minutes of the movie. Let's go. Hello. Okay. More. Um, and then he just shuts. He's like, no, thank you. And then just shuts the door. <laughs> love that okay yeah um he's like this isn't for me i'm not that kind of person thank you but no thank you right good for you i could never but you know especially if they look like that (laughs) if paul mescal was at my door i will literally rip my door open and it can stay open forever mikasa is sukasa so after this whole situation at the door happens he he's going through some photos he finds a photo of him his dad and his mom And so he hops on a train and he goes back to his hometown, walks past his old house. His dad strolls by, sees him, and he's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in so long. Your mom would love to see you. And so they go back to his old house and they have dinner and they have tea and they're catching up. And they're like, it's been too long. We were so sad when you decided to leave. Don't be a stranger. 
you know, we're always here. Next thing you know, boy on boy action. And it was beautiful. So as their relationship is growing and blossoming, they're finding more and more out about each other. They're like falling for each other. Andrew is continuing to go to his parents' house, right? Has a talk with his mom. Um, His mom pretty much was like, are you gay? And then I have in my notes here that it's like his parents are asking him questions that he doesn't want to ask himself. Wow. Um, Or like they're forcing him to have conversations with himself that he isn't strong enough to have on his own. Jesus. Okay. Because she's like, are you lonely? And he's like, well, if I am lonely, it's not because I'm gay. It's because I'm lonely. And she's your typical mom that's like, oh, well, you don't look Got gay. It. And so that whole conversation happens, oh you know. Oh, my God. Um, <sighs> and then the conversation with the dad, it's like, don't worry about your mom. She just needs to rearrange a few things in her head and a few of the stories that she's made up for your future. Woof. Wow, what a line. Sorry, say that one more time for me. Don't worry about your mom. She just needs to rearrange a few things in her head and a few of the stories that she's made up for your future. That actually made me kind of tear up. Yeah, it like when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, this is something all parents do. All all parents, all parents ever do is dream about your future of who you're going to be as an adult. Yeah. You know, and when that doesn't line up with, you know, what they've been hoping to learn about you for however long you've been alive. Yeah. So, so, so Andrew Scott's the main character in this, obviously. Yes. What role does Paul Meskel play in his character development? supporting lead because when he has these moments with his mom paul is the first one that andrew speaks to about his day yeah this is what happened and he's like everything's gonna be fine it's all gonna work out you're gonna be okay and so like i said a little bit ago their relationship gets very heavy very real very fast like it's one of those connections that's like immediate and you can like see the chemistry Paul Meskel's character is significant to Andrew Scott's moment. It kind of helps him get there. Yeah. That's awesome. One of the things that he said resonated with me. I always felt lonely before. This was a new type of feeling, like a terror that I'd always be alone. As I got older, that feeling solidified. It's just a knot in my chest. Losing something so dear to me got tangled up with all the other stuff, feeling like the future doesn't matter anymore. Like, there are so many hard-hitting points in this movie. (laughs) I cried, like, twice (laughs) during this movie. It gutted me. I mean, this is, this is, this sounds like the realization that your life and who you are ends up getting lost in the other things that are going on like your love life Mm -hmm. who you are going to love ends up that that discovery that acceptance ends up getting lost in the grief that you are experiencing is just something that i didn't really consider you know yeah it's one of those movies though that really gets you like fucked up in the head like i sat there after the movie kind of like thinking about myself and how i related 
to Andrew Scott's character because he's an older, he's probably mid thirties, upper thirties. He's single. He's living alone. He's got some hardcore shit going on in his life. And I think that's a wave that everybody goes through in their thirties. And I'm like, there are things that I'm relating to him that I didn't think that I would. And like, so I feel that, but I don't want to give away the ending uh, because it's really good and it's a plot twist, but I suggest watching it, uh, dedicate a night to it because you won't want to watch anything after, but it's, it's really, 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 really good. I also watched a movie with a massive plot twist by his, um, it's called Foe. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that sci-fi drama, but like also a little, it's weird. I, do you ever watch a movie? Like I call it, I call, it's like quiet movies. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know? Yeah. It, quiet movies is, is what, <laughs> you know, no, no, not lots of, I'm, I'm so excited for Gladiator because it's going to be so, I'm noticing that this is going to be vastly fucking different from any other work that he has had. But Foe is with uh, Saoirse Ronan, which is one of my favorite Irish actresses. Um, she was in The Lovely Bones. Uh, she was in Atonement. Um, those are the two movies that I know her most from. She was also in Little Women with Florence Pugh. Um, mm-hmm. and Timothy Shamalamadingdong. Um, so Fo is about a married couple, um, in 2065, in the year 2065, when the earth is almost uninhabitable. So it's like dystopian. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. So it, yes, but so you'll see, um, they live in this farm in the, in the middle of nowhere. Like the majority of people have gone to live in cities because, you know, the rural areas just are borderline unlivable at this point in time. But this particular couple has lives in a farm out in the middle of nowhere. One night, the stranger shows up in their house and they he sits down in front of them and says, hey, um, you have been shortlisted um, to be among the first people that go live in our space station outside of the earth because we are starting our interplanetary like transfer like earth is not going to be inhabitable in a few years we have to start talking about this we are essentially putting people together it's giving that movie with jennifer lawrence and yes uh the passengers yes yeah okay chris pratt yeah yeah um so he is like, uh, that's a little weird. We're, we're not interested in doing that. And so this guy is like, well, um, I'm not here to talk about the both of you. I'm talking about you, just you. And he points to Paul Meskel's character. And you eventually find out that his wife, Hen, is not included in that group of people that <gasps> leave. What? And so... They're like, you've only been shortlisted. Nothing's going to happen for a year. You get to, uh, we'll let you know next year if you've been selected or not. Okay. So imagine having to go through your marriage for a year 
and you get to find out that uh, you are going to leave. You're just going to up and leave. You're just going to get up and leave and leave, and you're not going to live in your farm anymore. Um, now, it's not forever. Um, it's kind of like a test, but it's for a few years at a time. And um, and so a year later, this guy comes back and he's like, well, you've been selected. And now I get to move in with you guys and study you. I'm so Because we are going to create, essentially, we're going to create a clone of you to live here with your wife so that your marriage is saved while you live up in space. I mean... <laughs> Which, like, thank you. But also, like, it's kind of crazy. So then throughout throughout the movie, this third person, um, his name is Terrence, you know, is asking very personal questions, doing these tests. Um, and you see Paul, Paul's character. Oh, by the way, they both have American accents. Paul <laughs> Meskel with an American accent. Chef's kiss. It's so fucking good. Oh my god, I can't wait. Irish came out a little bit, but like, Mm -hmm. it was great. Um, But you see that they love each other so much. And there's a a point where they're sitting outside having like a beer. And she's wearing this shirt. And he's like, hey, can you do me a favor? Don't wear that shirt again. And she goes, why? I love this shirt. He's like, yeah, um, that was a shirt you were wearing the day I met you. And if you keep wearing it, it's going to get worn out. Oh my God. Yeah. So then she shows up. So she kicks him out of their room and she has him sleep in the guest bedroom because like when this guy shows up, she's like, I'm going to have to start getting used to not having you around. So go sleep in the guest bedroom. I don't want to sleep with you. Um, so he's been there. And then one night once when they're having a beer outside or whatever, she, he says that to her. And then that night she goes into the room with the, like the shirt and panties and then they end up like hooking up and she turns around she's like i miss you was this before he left for like the couple years yeah this was yeah this was yeah if you want to talk about a plot twist in a movie um so you see him slowly like when terrence moves in you see him slowly start to kind of lose his fucking mind and she's like what are you doing to my husband like like yeah. get out of here like i i need to be there with him like i need to protect him like you're breaking him and he's like, mm-hmm. Terrence is like, no, I'm doing my job. I'm trying to make sure that everything's fine. And then once he has like this crazy mental breakdown, the next day she's sitting at a kitchen table with like a really pretty outfit and he walks in like nothing's happening. He gives her a hug. He's like, I've missed you so much. And it's him? And, and it's the real <gasps> one. Oh my God. And then they all go in a room and the clone is like on the floor like malfunctioning not malfunctioning because they're there to collect him he's done they don't need him anymore the real one is back yeah oh so okay i understand so they like gather him up when the real one is there But he's like crying because then you then he ends up finding out that he's not the real one to begin with so all he cares about is this woman's well-being he loves her this is the love of his life this is all he knows this is what he was made for is to love this woman and he finds out that it's not real that he's been the clone the whole time. Oh and so God. she had fallen in love with the clone 
And she's like, no, like, like, please, like, stop, like, let him go. And meanwhile, the husband's like, what the fuck is happening here right now? Like, this wasn't in the plan that was given to me when I signed up for this. <laughs> so he got there the night the stranger showed up at their house to tell him that he's been shortlisted. That's what activated him. And there's another plot twist at the end of that. But, like, I'm, I'm actually going to spare you that one. So, I mean, this movie was very good. Very good. There are a lot. It, it dragged a little bit, but you really get to see his acting skills. And you really got to get, you, at the end, the last 20 minutes of the movie, you really get to find out that everything that has ha- been happening leading up to this is for a reason. Because you're watching the development of him just to get to the plot twist at the end. What, Terrence is actually Paul Mesc- Paul's character? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Ticked no. off his skin suit and it's I know, no. Paul's Terrence, Terrence is just basically the, the chaperone. Wow. But yeah. <laughs> we went back to our roots. We We went through filmography. We went through, like, I have to say... Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, quiet movies. (laughs) Are his jam. Yeah, but, like, Gladiator is going to be huge. You know, I think we're going to get to find out a lot more about the range that he's got within him as a performer, as an actor. Mm -hmm. He seems to be just, like, a really kind, beautiful soul. He's also hilarious. Yes. He's so funny. Yeah. I also recommend that if you haven't already watched it, there you know how they do the actor on actor interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did one with Natalie Portman. It's forty five minutes long. Put it on in the background window while you're at work. It's yeah. amazing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How have we not talked about the fact that he sings? That's right. I need to play this. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, I remember when we came across when I came across that and I sent it to you and you like immediately did a stitch video of it. Yeah, I did it because i wanted to make sure that we talked about the fact that this was going to be the perfect uh way to introduce a paul mescal episode okay so we were sitting on a friday at post megacon was it friday or thursday it was thursday because kel wasn't there yet yeah this fucking video from 2022 shows up and it's this you from the song you'd be the one to set me free the day in the park when the hurt would hide from me those eyes used to know me it's been way too long you are the moon and the stars and all they came on time will never move slowly what you waiting on what you waiting on we used to be giants Bye. Bye. I. What a surprise. I'd like to see him cast in a musical. Yeah. Put him next to Andrew Scott and they can both do Hamlet because they've talked about doing Hamlet together. (laughs) You know what I would like to see them in? I want them to be so close in their work that they end up doing a play together like Dominic Monaghan and Billy Boyd. (gasps) You know, down the line. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that would be so special. Really to to end this out on a good note, we're yeah. going to start getting press 
junkets with three of our men, Pedro, Joe, and Paul. I'm so excited. To say I'm excited is an understatement. I, that video of Paul singing has been my Roman Empire for the last two weeks. I just need you to know that. I have been thinking consistently about this man singing over and over and over again. It's so good. It's so good. He's so talented. And the thing is, he will never do a con. No. No, he He's will not. He's never done a con. He's never done a con. He's never going to make. No. No, he won't. No. God, we'll meet him one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll meet him one day. Yeah. I will say that I find myself hyperfixating a little bit more and more on him and Andrew. But as of today, I think I've become a Luke Newton girly. We might need to do a full-on Bridgerton, Men of Bridgerton episode. A little closer to the premiere. It's got to be, right? I yeah. think it's got to be. I found a new Roman Empire for myself that you Tell made me. me remember. So as we mentioned... The mm-hmm. Chiefs won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a video floating around of Taylor and Travis at an after party. <laughs> and the Chainsmokers are DJing and they played a uh, Love Story and Cascada remix. And oh, there is a video of Taylor and Travis singing Love Story to each other. And I think yeah. about it often. You know what I think about often? What? Her face expression when he's singing Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) I think we finally witnessed her get the egg. Yeah. What's that audio on TikTok? Is this your man? This is my man. That's mine. I'm going to stand by him. Imagine the face she made whenever she saw him singing at the parade today. (sighs) Speaking of the parade today... I don't want to ignore what happened today at the parade. Um, This is, I don't even know what to say. Um, Dee, you're in Kansas City. I'm really glad that you're okay. Me too, because I almost took a PTO day and just said, fuck it, and almost went to the parade this morning. Thank God I didn't. But it's just, it's a very sad way to end such a happy day um you know a day that was supposed to be filled with celebration and happiness and a nation coming together to you know celebrate the winners of the super bowl um got ruined by a very unfortunate series of events and um i just ask that you know, being in Kansas City, I've lived here for three and a half years. I I love the people that are here. I love the vibes. It's a great place to live. And just pray for our city, I guess I should say. Um, pray for the families that were affected. Um, we did lose somebody today. Um, and a lot of children were hurt. And so just love your family, hug your loved ones, and just you know, live every day to the fullest because it could be a matter of seconds and your life could change. Well, um, I'm really glad that you're safe and I 
I don't even, and there's, there's nothing else to add to that other than, um, our hearts are with the people that were affected today. It's a really dark time in the world. And so we do this just to bring a little bit of brightness, um, to our own life. Um, but mostly to everybody, to the people that support us too. Right. And, um, but it is, it is a really, really hard, hard time to, to just exist in the world. Um, it's so easy to be kind. Kindness is free. Kindness takes no effort. Um, and it, it just, it blows me away that there are people that will go out of their way to hurt somebody else. And, um, every day is a gift. So, um, I think that we should leave it there. You've heard our socials 101 times. Uh, we'll be back next week. And in the wise words of Harry Styles, treat people with kindness. We love you. Love you.